It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Oklahoma City Thunder found a way to beat the Portland Trail Blazers. You have to take the fight to this Thunder team for 48 minutes. A late comeback allows the Thunder to take first place in the Western Conference. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by FanDuel, we're diving into the Oklahoma City Thunder pulling off a miracle comeback against the Portland Trailblazers. You have to beat this team for 48 minutes. SGA was the decoy twice. Chet Holmgren has an underrated game. And is the rookie of the year race going to be decided tonight on the heels of J-Dub's big shots? Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 money line bet. Go visit. FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. The biggest thing from this game is that you have to beat the Thunder. They are not going to give away games. They're not going to, to kind of fold it in and give up. The Thunder came into this game after two days off. It's the one home game to break up a couple long road trips. There's a four game road trip and a three game road swing. And the Thunder just beat the Blazers by 60-plus points a few weeks ago. It was very obvious from the onset of this game, Oklahoma City did not have their best stuff. They were late defensively in rotation. They played sloppy basketball. They settled too much offensively for some bad one-on-one shots. They just didn't have their A game. But eventually, later in that game, the Thunder settled in, never quite got the first gear at all in this contest. But the two sides began changing, you know, exchanging blows, 17 lead changes, eight ties. And the Thunder at one point blew a 13-point lead, then got down nine and still won this game. Despite Portland being a plus three on the glass, Oklahoma City only turned it over 12 times. I say only because 10 of those came in the first half, and it felt like it was just such a, a poor brand of basketball. They cleaned that up. In the second half. Meanwhile, Portland gave it away 19 times, none more controversial than the 19th time in, in this uh, in this game. OKC shot 48, 30, and 64. So when you look at that, 30% from three, already you're behind the eight ball. This is a team that is typically uh this season has been in the upper echelon of the NBA for the majority of this season. 
The Thunder have been the best three-point shooting team in the NBA. Same thing with free throws. They've been the best free throw shooting team in the NBA. Not tonight. When you shoot 30% from three and compound the problem by shooting 64% at the charity stripe, you're not going to win very many games. Except for tonight where the Thunder got away with a win. Portland, meanwhile, shot 46% from three and 81% at the free throw line. The Thunder won points in the paint 64 to 32. Portland won 28 to eight, to eight on second chance looks. And here's the big kicker too. Typically when the Thunder have their best stuff, they are dominating teams in the fast break. They were only a plus one in the fast break. The Trailblazers played a good game of basketball. Jabari Walker was cooking in the first half. Jeremy Grant had it going on both ends. He made life really tough uh, on the defensive end, especially for Jadab. He's like a, you know, he's one of the best matchups you can have for a guy like Jadab because he has the uh, defensive skill set, but also the lateral quickness and uh, just the athleticism overall uh, to stay with J-Dub with also having the size to contest J-Dub. Not a ton of players um, have a, you know, have that same kind of blend, right? It's very tough to blend J-Dub's size and athletic ability, which is why whenever he gets switched onto guards, life comes easy for him and very efficient for him. Jeremy Grant has that ability to, to match up better than most players. You know, and then you had Anthony Simons and and, and um, Bogdan hitting some tough, tough Brogdon hitting some tough shots. Uh, you know, this was also some of the best scoot minutes. That's a very low bar to clear, but it was some of the best scoot minutes, looking very comfortable. Had that and one flexing uh, on Wiggins, but Portland looked like a team who was out to prove something. Who was who was trying to lick their wounds and 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 kind of turn things around from being beat by sixty plus points last time in this building. But if the Thunder can just hang around in games, if you do not put them away and keep them away for 48 minutes, they're going to be able to beat you. It took some late game drama in this one. You had Simons hit a massive three. That shot should not be undersold. He has it at the timeline. He's he's manipulating the offense, you know, directing traffic. He wants a switch. Lou Dort's in front of him. He wants a switch. Lou Dort, to his credit, uh, displays what he is a lead at. He is the best player in the NBA at fighting through screens. No different here. Stays with Simons. That's still one of the best defenders in the world on Simons who rises up and hits a three with a solid contest from Lou Dort. OKC's now down three. With 30 seconds left, the Thunder elect to go for a quick two to extend the game versus going for that three to tie. I asked Mark about that decision. I kind of asked, like, when... Do you, do you elect to do that and kind of keep the game going versus at what point do you do you kind of trade that off for wanting to get a tie on that possession? And he mentioned the fact that, you know, the whole benefit with being down three with 30 seconds left is that if you get a quick two, you put pressure on the other team. They've got to inbound the ball cleanly. They've got to get up the floor cleanly. They've got to play 20 seconds plus of clean basketball before the Thunder are forced to foul. Or uh, if there's enough separation, they can just create the shot clock violation. You've got to play 20 crisp minutes of offense with a very aggressive defense who wants to get a stop is very you know, over aggressive. That's where you see all things break loose for Portland. So the Thunder use uh, that timeout to advance the ball with 30 seconds left. What they do on that play is an unbelievable, you know, slob play for OKC. This is why Mark is getting votes for the best uh, ATO uh, coach in the NBA uh, at the GM survey. So SGA is the inbounder on this play. He inbounds to J-Dub and has an Iverson cut uh, from the sideline 
all the way to the opposite uh, slot where, where he goes and he cuts to the opposite slot across uh, the top of the, of the perimeter, obviously that forces a switch of Jeremy Grant then then peels to go to go defend SGA, who you obviously want that attention to go on to, which grants J Dub to have a smaller defender against him. And what he does is just go right to his left where he's automatic and rise up in the mid-range and knock it down, going to his left, hitting that shot. Because there's a smaller defender on his hip, he's he's not going to be bothered by that at all. So that's the first example of your MVP SGA. The leader in the clubhouse for the MVP award, in my opinion, SGA, being a decoy for a second-year player who is tough as nails and has that has that ability to make big shots. And so the Thunder go for the two instead of the three. It's a one-point game now. Portland inbounds the ball. The Thunder throw out that late pressure. Just as they're about to get to the timeline, the Thunder trap. They throw it to the sideline, and that's where Chauncey Phillips wants a timeout. Brogdon thinks that they've called the timeout. He, he double dribbles. And it's a turnover. The refs do not grant the timeout. It's a turnover. And obviously that really just you know, makes, makes Billups a rate. He gets two technical fouls. So, so you, you know, kind of compound the problem, so to say, obviously very bad decision by the refs, very bad call by the refs. They should have granted Portland the timeout because they had the timeout to use and they, they were not granted it, but instead Billups gets two technical fouls. That's a technical foul. And what it results in is SGA going to the, Free throw line. Now he has not been good at technical foul free throws this year. The Thunder as a whole have not been good at technical foul free throws this year. SGA only makes one of two technical foul free throws. Still, though, it's a tie game. And obviously, coming off of technicals, you get the ball back. And so this is where the Thunder yet again use their MVP as a decoy. So as SGA uh you know is is there, he's in the front court. J dub brings the ball across the timeline. And it's Chet at the top of the key. Chet and SGA, who again is, is deep by the restricted area, they exchange to where now SGA is at, the, is at the top of the key going toward the opposite slot. And Chet is now down low. That exchange happens and Jeremy Grant is then confused. He's caught in the middle. He's now in no man's land at the top of the key. He's not defending Shea. He's not defending J-Dub. J-Dub drives to his left where he's automatic. And now as he goes to his left and that exchange happens, SGA is now taking out the play. There's no, there's no way you can give him the ball. He's just a decoy. However, Lou Dort in the short corner is wide open because Aiton is on an island in the baseline. So you could theoretically pass it to Lou Dort. He's wide open for three. Chet Holmgren is on the opposite dunker spot. It would take a creative pass, but he did have his defender sealed. You could get him the ball for a layup. But you also have this magical option of J-Dub who, because of that exchange and because of how hard he attacked off of that exchange, his defender is now on his back hip. He can just go up on a smaller defender and make a mid-range jumper, which he did, to give the Thunder the lead. There's still two seconds left, though, but Portland tries a uh, sideline and a bounce play for a lob pass to Aiton. And guess what? Of all players on the floor, SGA follows Aiton to the rim, leaps up, and gets the steal uh, to end the game. So that is twice where your MVP player, you know, the, the, the leader in the clubhouse for the MVP award in the NBA, was simply a decoy, was simply there to just divert the defense and you allowed your sophomore to go hit two huge shots. Now, they're so huge. You might roll your eyes at that and talk about, well, it's Portland. The Thunder shouldn't have been in that position anyway. Um, you know, the, the Thunder are better than Portland. They beat them by 60 plus points last time out. Who cares that you that you barely squeaked one out against Portland? 
look, this is the NBA. Like every single season, every single week, every single day, we see teams play with their food or or get surprised or get upset or be on the bad end of rest advantage or whatever the case is, or just simply NBA players who are the best in the world do their job for a game, right? Like look at, look at Minnesota. Carl Anthony Towns scored 62 points against the Charlotte Hornets and they lost. Like this happens to NBA teams. It's, it's how you respond to it mid game and how you are able to squeak it out. And this it separates the you know good teams from the great teams, the average teams from the good teams and so on and so forth. It's winning games like this where you have to get in the mud and get it done late, and the Thunder did that. And so credit to them. Obviously, you'd prefer to play good basketball for 48 minutes and not eight minutes, but still, the Thunder hung around enough to be able to win this game late. And I don't believe that there's any sort of reason to be upset. You know, you can be disappointed that like this game happened, I guess. But to me, this team has such a large track record of specifically avoiding these instances of specifically avoiding uh, sleepwalking through a game or overlooking an opponent, their entire identity is wrapped up into this zero and zero mindset. They have a much larger sample size of not doing this than they do of doing this. So in a game where they still win, it's tough to get up in arms about how the game played out because of the late game execution down the stretch. And because of just understanding the bigger picture of an 82 game season. Everyone on the floor and around the team and in the coaching staff and everyone else would have preferred the Thunder play their A game. You would prefer you play your A game every single night. It's just so unrealistic to actually play your A game every single night. And the Thunder didn't have their A game, but they had enough to win because they're never going to go away. They're never going to pack it in. They have a they have a game in less than 24 hours. They could have easily said, yep, not our night. Portland got us. It's upsetting, but we gotta we gotta make the smart call here and uh, prepare for game number two. Some teams do that, not the Thunder. And because of that, they get a win. And the reason I say it's such a big win: go to NBA.com right now, go to the standings, scroll down to the Western Conference, and then do the math of the standings. Had the Thunder lost this game, and look at the results. Look at the changes. Had the Thunder lost this game. I don't care how you do it. It doesn't have to look pretty. It doesn't have to look smooth. It can look like a dying duck. It's just got to go in the win column in the Western Conference. And the Thunder did that in this game. I thought Chet Holmgren had a very underrated game. I also think that the Rookie of the Year award is on the line tonight. We'll talk about all that and more coming up on today's Lockdown Thunder podcast. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Hungry Root. If you're trying to eat a little healthier in 2024, Hungry Root is here for you. Uh, because uh, they can rescue you from short-lived resolutions and make uh, meal planning easy and nutritious. Build the healthy habits that uh, you want uh, to keep and won't disappear by February with Hungry Root. So check it out today, whether you are you know, braving the cold or dealing with crowds, the grocery store, this time of year, it can be the worst. So why not just stay at home? Let Hungry Root handle it for you. With Hungry Root, you can kickstart your week with uh, healthy eating and get groceries delivered right to your door. So check it out today at Hungry Root. They are perfect for you because they have so much value. You're A, saving money. I mean, many, many, many customers save money on groceries uh, with Hungry Root versus if they went to the store. You're reducing food waste because Hungry Root can help you save 30% on food waste each week. You're saving time as well because customers 
and save five hours per week using Hungry Root without the stress of the grocery store or meal planning. Uh, they just can use Hungry Root. There's a special discount code with 40% off and free veggies for life. When you go right now uh, to Hungry Root, you can go to the Lockdown MBA uh, offer, which is going to be at HungryRoot.com. That's HungryRoot.com slash Lockdown. HungryRoot.com slash Lockdown to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Lockdown. Don't forget to use our link so they know that we sent you because our listeners get 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life just by going to HungryRoot.com slash Lockdown. On. I want to tell you right now also about our good friends over at eBay Motors. Folks, eBay Motors is fantastic with the passion and uh, drive and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is keeping your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level up to peak performance from superchargers to roof racks to exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into the speed, the power, or the style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 parts for your number one ride or die, you're always going to find exactly what you're looking for with eBay's guaranteed fit. It's the uh, guaranteed fit for your ride every time or your money back. Because eBay Motors is not allowing you to burn cash. You're burning rubber with all the parts they have to choose from at the prices that you want. It's easy to turn your car into MVP and bring home that win. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions do apply. Check it out today at eBay Motors. We're back on the Lockdown Theater Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Make sure you check us out today. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms, including on YouTube, and follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. Also, check out the Lockdown Sports Today YouTube channel. It's a 24-hour streaming service of all the local news and national news that you can handle for all the sports. That way you're up to date on everything happening in the NBA and beyond. What a day in the NBA, by the way. <laughs> I mean, come on. The Bucks fire their coach, and Doc Rivers is in, and he's out, and he's in, and he's out. So the Doc Rivers hokey pokey. Plus, you had this Thunder game. Chet Holmgren, I think, had an underrated game just based upon, you know, some of the early returns on Twitter. And we're going to get to your takeaways that you left on Twitter um, you know, for this podcast. I, I don't think that Chet Holmgren played bad in this game. I think that he played actually pretty good. Like he was really good in the pick and roll defense. He starts this game out with perfect pick and roll defense. He shows against the guard, recovers to eight and enforces the miss. Uh, he comes down, gets a mid-range jumper. That's how the, the scoring starts and how, that's how the game starts. That's the first two possessions for OKC. He also has a perfect pick and roll defensive coverage where he switched on to Brogdon and Brogdon did hit a very tough floater, but it was, it was great defense from Chet Holmgren. Sometimes you know, good players hit shots like that. He also has laid some great screens and I've talked to Chet about these screens of, of how each game that passes by, he feels like he's getting better and better at setting screens, learning the angles to set the screens. Uh, and it's forcing great matches for OKC. Like you, we talked about how Jeremy Grant is a very tough cover uh, for a JDP. He, he, he covers it very well. There was a play where Chet Holmgren lays a nasty screen on Grant. It gets the Aiton switch. Aiton's on an island versus J-Dub. Jeb takes advantage of all the space, knocks down the three. Then you had all the blocks. I mean, some of the highlights were their ejection off the glass, which keeps it in play. 
uh, allows him to run the floor because he outworks Aiton for the rebound, uh, and it gets SGA a bucket. Uh, you have the give and go with Isaiah Joe, where, where Chet is using some high post creation. Uh, the block of, of Malcolm Brogdon, which was just dumped out of bounds, which was awesome for OKC. Uh, there were also some things to clean up. Uh, there was a moment where uh, Chet you know, was kind of setting an off-ball screen for Joe. Uh, Joe gets the ball, and then Portland blitzes him and doubles him. And Chet's kind of just hanging around waiting for a re-screen. But instead, on that blitz, where, where now Joe has doubled, with Joe's improved playmaking, I'd rather just see Chet roll to the basket and then get that dump off from Joe for an easy look. That's just something that I think that you'll you'll see more and more uh, on film as you play more NBA games and, and kind of adjust to. And, th- and then the other thing that I thought just, just was a play where uh, you'd prefer Chet to do something else was um, he had a play where he was the help side defender and he's on the opposite side of the, of the paint. The shot goes up on the opposite baseline. Chet tries to soar through the air with two defenders in front of him, tries to soar through the air and get a block. Now, if he touches the ball, if he blocks that to the stands or just gets a piece of it and causes the miss, it is a phenomenal play. What actually ends up happening is the shot misses on its own. Chet's not there for the rebound. You would kind of, in that case, maybe want to lean more conservative of just getting in position for a rebound in case of the miss. Whenever you know the odds say, even for as great of a shot blocker and as lengthy as Chet is, you're probably not going to get to that basketball. You have a much better chance to impact the play by just staying down and uh, getting in position for a box out rebound. To his credit, he had 10 rebounds in this game, eight points, three assists, six blocks in this game. Chet was awesome. Like I, I know he did not fill it up as a scorer, uh, but he, he was really good in this game, I think. I think he was at least better than what some people are giving him credit for. Uh, let's, talk in, let's talk J-Will. Another game where J-Will comes in and has a really nice outing off the bench. I like to see him used more as a screener. He's at that slip screen for SGA, who finds him as a pocket pass, a uh, bounce pass for a slam. He also attacks Scoot on an and one at the rim. He missed the free throw, but still finishing through contact, using his body more to his advantage. Uh, could be something that helps him take another step in the NBA. Uh, one for two from three, seven points, two rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block. A good game from J-Will. Isaiah Joe went one for two from three, three for three inside the arc, a rebound, two assists, nine points for him. He was a, a threat for OKC. So was Wiggins, who had some fantastic cuts, uh, three rebounds, a block, 13 points. He played really good defense. He made a winning impact offensively, and he provided energy and effort. That's exactly what the Thunder needed. The Thunder played 13 guys in the first half. They were looking for any sort of spark that they could get. Wouldn't you know that it comes from Aaron Wiggins? I don't know how many more times I can just fly out say it. It's playing the hits at this point. Wiggins should be a staple of the rotation. I'm glad that it's you know trending that way now, uh, and it should just remain that way because Wiggins is so, so, so valuable and so good. As the Thunder were looking for a spark, though, they tried to get in Keontae Johnson. And so Keontae Johnson comes in off the bench in the first half just looking for something to happen. And he made something happen. First possession, he's in there. He fights for a rebound, gets it, passes it to Joe for a finish uh, to get an assist. And then on the defensive end, he played really good defense on Jeremy Grant. And that's not a tough, that, that's not a that's not an easy assignment. So his first timeout, he, he played in your shorts defense on Grant in isolation, did not allow Grant to use his body to, to bow into the rookie and create space. He forced Grant instead to have a baseline fadeaway. Uh, it was a tough shot, but to his credit, Jeremy Grant made it. Uh, and then the next time out, 
the rookie got taught a lesson of he jumped too prematurely on a on a Grant head fake, and Grant, you know, now has you know key in the air and is able to get fouled uh, on that jumper. Overall, I think that Kanthe Johnson should continue to get NBA looks. Uh, this was, of course, a circumstance where it wasn't planned. Mark even admitted as such that like it wasn't planned for Key to go into the game or for uh, Bertans to go into the game. The Thunder were just out of options of looking for a spark and, and tried to make something happen. But I think that what Kathy Johnson brings is high energy, rebounding. I think his defense is really good for, for what this team uh, is going to model itself after defensively and for who he's going to be playing around uh, on the defensive end. He brings excellent cutting. He runs the floor exceptionally well in transition, uh, and he's improved his playmaking. And he shoots 40% from three in the G League, and he did that in college as well last year. So he provides shooting as well. I think that Kanthe Johnson should be used more uh, for the Thunder in this stretch where you got a back-to-back tonight. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to be playing these, this condensed schedule. I would be curious to see if he kind of um, gets a longer runway uh, after after being parked with the blue, as Mark would say. He's only a rookie. It doesn't, um, you know, it's not as though this is like a make-or-break thing uh, or that there's any right or wrong answer. But he, he's played so well in the G League, uh, and I think that he could really help the Thunder. I wonder when that time will come, because I think it is a win, not an if. I think that the Thunder will give him um, a chance. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, if that happens this month or, or tonight against San Antonio or, or whenever it goes down. Uh, coming up, let's talk about your takeaways, and let's talk about if Rookie of the Year is on the line tonight on ESPN as the Spurs and Thunder face off. Tonight, uh, Today's show is brought to you by our good friends, over at FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 money line bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Uh, go there for the same game parlays, uh, uh, prop bets, parlays, over-unders, the spread. You can get all that at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. And so when you go there right now, it's the perfect time to go to FanDuel. For a multitude of reasons, we mentioned the player props. So, like you can you can see uh, on here for the Cleveland and Milwaukee game tonight, Giannis uh, his player prop is, is eight plus assists, ten plus rebounds, uh, one plus three pointers made, uh, or four plus uh, three pointers for Donovan Mitchell. That's all in that Cleveland Milwaukee game. So you have a lot of props to choose from there. Uh, but it's full swing college basketball. They have all the conferences you could want. So whatever game you're watching. You can check out at FanDuel. They also have all the NBA action. So, for example, on the road in San Antonio, the Thunder are seven-point favorites uh, against Victor and the Spurs. And you know it's the Final Four of the NFL. It's Conference Championship weekend. Uh, and the Chiefs right now are underdogs by three and a half points in Baltimore. The Lions, seven-point dogs in the Bay. Uh, you can go check that out today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Hannah, on her takeaway, says, J-Dub, that's all. Very good takeaway to start out uh, the takeaway segment. J-Dub is incredible. 
Uh, Daniel says, I'm not a Thunder fan uh, that likes to overreact or say the season's over after a loss or anything. I just thought we played really bad and got bailed out by the refs, missing a timeout by Billups. Then Portland's inability to stay composed should have uh, been over after one. I mean, the Thunder, like, yeah, the Billups thing, uh, there's a terrible missed call by the refs. Uh, you know, missed, you know, I guess decision call, whatever, to not grant the timeout uh, for Billups. Billups didn't help himself by by getting not one but two technical fouls. You know, if you if you only get the one technical foul and Shea still misses that one, uh, it doesn't hurt you as poorly, uh, but of course it still changes the complexity of the game. The Thunder uh, did not play well tonight, and you know you you know sometimes you just got to steal a game and they stole a game. I don't think that this really changes anything big picture wise or changes the season at all. Um, it just it has no real true bearing big time uh, into the sense of like this game in a vacuum. There are elements of this, which, which we talked about, of playing a 48-minute game that does matter. The rest of it, uh, not really. Mike says, Spurs ain't no rivalry. We'll talk about that in the, in the next topic. We're going to get to that in a very, very quick second. Uh, Thunder OG says, if the Thunder don't get more weak rebounding help, the playoffs will be tough for the Thunder. Yeah, I mean, the Thunder are going to need to clean up on the glass. I think that they'll make an improvement at the deadline in the margins. We'll see what that ends up being. We'll continue on with some of your takeaways. Uh, Connor Connor says on TV, I couldn't tell. Was Chauncey trying to fight a Thunder player at the end of his argument? No. Uh, he he was getting pulled back a little bit, uh, you know, whenever he was getting tossed, but he was trying to, the Thunder players just happened to be in the in the kind of periphery, in the background, so to say. And J-Dub was uh, taunting the crowd to get louder and louder. He was, he was trying to weave his way to each referee, but the Thunder players were like around each referee because it happened closer to their bench and everything, and they were kind of trying to figure out what happened as well. So he was not directing any of that at the players at all, uh, to my knowledge. It did not appear that way uh, watching it in the arena. Uh, we'll talk about uh, you know that stuff as well. You can also go check out on Twitter. I posted a video uh, breaking down the final sequences, so you can, you can go listen to that as well. Rashid says, poor win. It was not a good win. There are ugly wins in the NBA. This was an ugly win, but you'd much rather have an ugly win than an ugly loss. And that's what you have today. So going back to the rivalry week takeaway, it is rivalry week. And on rivalry, we, we, hold on. Rivalry week. Listen, that you didn't hear that. That part is going to be edited out later. No, it's not. I'm too lazy to uh, because it's 4 a.m. But it is rivalry week. The NBA has put the Spurs and Thunder on ESPN tonight at an at a 8.30 tip in San Antonio because they want to showcase Wimby versus Chet. This is the entire point of rivalry week for these two teams. They play again at the end of February and they play again at the end of April. But are we certain that like Wimby's going to play at the end of April? Are we even certain he'll play at the end of February? As It's not on national television. This is going to be the lasting impression of the impression of this matchup. I really believe that. Now, is that the is that right? No. The th- you know the voters should take into account the entire body of work of the entire season of every matchup between these players, but also every game to play independent of each other. That should all be into account. But we're not naive. We know that the narratives, that the storylines, that the impact of games matter. The impact of head to head matters. And this is going to be a game, I think, that sways things. Because I, I think that this will be a close statistical race the rest of the season, as it has been to this point. You know, Entering tonight, 
Chet averages 17 points, seven boards, 2.8 assists, 2.5 blocks, and uh, over half a steal a game. He shoots 54 from the floor, 39 from three, 79% at the line. Victor, to this point, averages 20 points a game, 10 rebounds a game, uh, three, re- uh, I'm sorry, 10 rebounds a game, three blocks a game, uh, one steal a game, uh, and is shooting 46, 29, and 80. They're going to be close all year statistically, and you're going to have the same arguments all year about, about Chet is contributing to winning, he's helping the Thunder win, about Victor, you know, he's not being surrounded by good players, he doesn't have players to set him up the way that Chet does, uh, and is Chet even really a rookie? You're going to have all those arguments. Those are not changing no matter what. The only thing that can change is what happens in front of a national TV audience, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a rare time where the Thunder and Chet and Wimby are playing each other and they're playing on national TV where everyone can watch it uh, in their natural flow of, of just watching the NBA each week. It's the second matchup in the regular season, third overall. It's going to be a storyline. For the rest of time, Chet versus Victor will be a storyline. I personally think that Chet is leading the Rookie of the Year race right now. But if someone has a massive game tonight, or someone outduels the other tonight, it's going to be so close that this will sway things, that this will be the moment that the race changes. And so it, it makes it fun for fans. It makes it fun and interesting for fans to uh, sit back and enjoy. And at the end of the day, you know, winning rookie of the year or not doesn't truly matter for either side. Like it does not change the way that you view either franchise or either player or uh, anything like that. But it is, of course, a competitive a league and a competitive a- athletes who who want to uh, win and want to have these kind of accolades. Right now, like I said, I'd have Chet winning rookie of the year, but it's a I, I would not, you know, die on that hill, so to say. I don't think that it was. I don't think that it would be egregious to say that Victor's the rookie of the year. I just don't. I wouldn't say that, but if you did, I would have no complaints, no qualms with that. And so on ESPN tonight, whoever shows up, whoever has the best game, I think will win rookie of the year. You can say that that's wrong to to view it through that prism, but I think that the voters will. Uh, the MVP of this game against uh, against Portland is J-Dub for the game winner, uh, but it can go to uh, many, including you, for watching a lot of sloppy basketball to get to the end uh, where it was a lot of fun for OKC. We'll be back again. To recap another game, it'll be the Spurs this time uh, tomorrow. And then on Friday, we'll have a very special guest, I hope. Uh, And then we'll recap the Pelicans game on Saturday. So we'll just continue to roll and roll and roll on Lockdown Thunder. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from, including on YouTube. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.